This content is intended for adult cigar smokers age 21 and older. Hello, my friends. Nick Labretti here for JRCigars.com, and welcome to another edition of our virtual Herc series. Uh, yes, we're still here. We're still going strong, man. That's what we have to do, and we are still dedicated to providing you the most interactive, engaging, interesting, suave, and other adjectives content that we possibly can. Today, I have the pleasure of talking from one of me and Greg's favorite people in the cigar industry, one of the coolest guys in the cigar industry, and one of the most knowledgeable. Please help me welcome Sean Williams from Cohiba. Sean, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. My thank pleasure. You. How are you? Uh, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I can't, can't complain. I mean, there's, there's uh, worse places I could be, uh, I could be quarantined, I guess, uh, if that's yeah, what we're calling it. Sun's shining, birds are chirping, you got a cigar in your hand, you're looking good to me, man. Hey, man. Uh, again, worst place I could be. Thanks. <laughs> so, um, I don't want to dwell too much. I've been talking to a lot of people about the, the situation going on right now, but I want to take a little bit of a, of a detour from that because I know, like me, you're, just, you're such a, a pure cigar guy. And before I get into Cohiba, which is obviously you know one of the most legendary, most memorable, or what's the word? Memorable brands uh in mm-hmm. the world um i want to talk a little bit about your history in the cigar industry because you've had quite a cool okay. history you know you, you've been a member of some cigar clubs and societies you had your own brand for a long time um and now you're master over at the cigar brand which is cohiba so if you can just tell us you know take your time with it how did all this get started what was like the first cigar you had what got you into everything the first cigar i had uh wow uh, first cigar I had was actually uh, Fuente, um, and that would have been uh, 16 years, uh, no, actually, uh, about 15 years ago, and um, just was instantly taken with um, cigars in general, and um, uh, eventually started a cigar social group or club, whatever you want to call it here in Atlanta, called the Atlanta Cigar Society. And, uh, you know, that got me into doing events and getting more into the cigar culture and cigar scene. And, and uh, after you know, building up a, a little bit of a following, I sort of had the, the thought that it'd be kind of cool to have my own cigar, really just to, you know, to have something to push around at my events and stuff like that. So that led me to uh, hopping on a plane to go to Nicaragua back in 2006 and work on my first blends with the Placentia factory. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of how things got started. Um, Fast forward a few years later, after you know uh, a lot of uh, time and 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 uh, passion and energy in this business, uh, I, I was approached by the good people at General Cigar to uh, to be this guy that gets on uh, on uh, you know the web and talk to you about Cohiba and uh, and from time to time I actually have a hand in making some Cohibas. So uh, yeah, that's kind of that's the cliff notes, but that's more or less you know how it happened. So. So that, that must have been just like a dream come true. I mean, to just be approached and just be like, oh, we want you to be our Cohiba guy. I mean, that must like, what, what were your thoughts when that first happened? I mean, you must have been ecstatic. Yeah, I mean, so when, when they called me, um, well, actually, so, so back up. So Rick Rodriguez and I, uh, you know, we've been friends for, I don't know, Rick, 10 years now at least. And uh, he and I would always kind of joke that you know, we're going to do something together, uh, have a project together or, 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 or something. Um, so he had a relationship with me, um, you know, that, that was bigger than just cigars. So when, uh, whenever they decided to reach out to me, they actually had Rick give me a call. 
so when he called me, actually texted me, this was this was over the holidays, I think going uh, end of 2016, going into 2017. I got a text from him uh, over the Christmas holidays, kind of checking in, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, you got some time to talk tomorrow, let me know. So we set up some time to talk, and uh, the next day we got on the phone and, and just kind of catching up, seeing how he's doing, how's the family, and so forth. Uh, and then he, you know, he says, you know, hey, you know, your name's come up a few times, and um, and I don't remember the exact way he set it up, but basically he's like, well, you know, what do you think about Cohiba? I'm thinking, it's Cohiba. Like, what do you mean what I think about Cohiba? It's Cohiba. He's like, well, would you be interested in being the guy for Cohiba? And uh, you know, first statement was like, I didn't know Cohiba needed a guy, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we could talk about me being that guy. I'd be, I'd very, I'd be very interested in that. So um, that that that's kind of how I got started, and that that you know from there set up a, a, a few phone calls, a few meetings, and uh, it moved a lot faster than I thought it would. I mean, initially, um, with you know General Cigar being such a big company, I thought it would drag on for a year or so, and and I you know. Uh, you know, I had my own brand. I was running a lot of things with, you know, sort of in motion, getting ready for the 2017 show and uh, product release. There's a lot going on. So my, my, my only ask was that, you know, hey, I'm sincerely interested in this. Hopefully it makes sense for everybody. Um, but if it's going to happen, uh, I'd like it to happen um, as quickly as possible so that, you know, I'm not twisting in the wind going into the summer and whatnot. And, and sure enough, man, it was... Uh, uh, surprisingly, mid-April, um, you know, when I signed my contract and, and officially came on board the beginning of May, so, uh, of 2017, obviously, so now we're talking about, at this point, coming up on three years, so it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun, it's been, it's been, it's been more than I thought it would be, uh, um, in, 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 in a good way, um, you know, you never know what to expect, I hadn't worked for anybody at that point in uh, 15, 16 years, um, so, you know, just the thought of having to report to somebody on that level and, oh, by the way, it's the largest cigar company on the planet. Mm. You know, I'm thinking they're going to, you know, uh, uh, you know, weigh me down in paperwork and administrative stuff, shove a GPS up my ass and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, say, and say good luck. But no, nah, man, it was, uh, um, very empowering, um, as, as far as the amount of latitude that, you know, they've given me with the brand. The team is incredible. Um, it's obviously a big company, uh, publicly traded. So, you know, you can't get, you know, you know, can't get, get you know, get too jiggy with it, so to speak. You can't really get <laughs> get, get out of, uh, ahead of your skis too much. But the amount of latitude and, and the amount of uh, innovation that that the the company has encouraged as it relates to this brand um, has been very, very um, just, 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 it's just been great. It really has. So. That's awesome. And like I said, I mean, Cohiba being such a huge brand and being so legendary in the industry, both the Cuban version, obviously the General Cigars version mm -hmm. um, that, uh, that you were working on, uh, probably a lot of pressure too, probably a little bit of nerves. But what I'm, I'm yeah, curious, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm just yeah. curious, and I think a lot of people are, is you're actually more than just like, oh, this is the guy, he knows a lot about Cohiba and he's at an event. You actually get to work on some of the blends. So can you actually tell us like, Take us through what it's like to develop a new Cohiba blend. You know, how long does the process take? You know, who's involved in it? So my big thing when I came on board, um, I wanted to make sure I did enough to sort of expand the audience. 
uh, uh, hopefully attract a new uh, consumer that hadn't tried the brand before, but at the same time not alienate the existing guy that has supported the brand, you know, um, for however long, you know. Um, so, so for me, it was you know kind of staying true to the core of what uh, what Cohiba, you know, the Red Dot experience was, but just kind of stretching it out a little bit. And and mm. and and from my standpoint, what I had historically uh, worked on a lot, um, obviously tobacco from all over, but at the core of everything I did was a lot of Nicaraguan tobacco. Mm. So that was one of the first things that I wanted to do coming on board. Uh, first cigar. Uh, I had a chance to put my hands to was was Silencio, which was my signature blend, uh, and it was sort of to signify sort of um, the balance between the history of, of of the Cohiba Red Dot and sort of what I had you know been known to work with. So you know, so you have Cameroon leaf as as, as a binder, you have the political bottle, which is you know two signature components for Cohiba, but it was it was married with uh, Jalapa Valley tobacco and Esteli Nicaraguan tobacco, uh, and that's sort of been uh, a part of everything that's come behind that, um, from the Spectre 2018 uh, to the Connecticut Shade, which uses uh, Jalapa Valley Lijero in a Connecticut cigar. Um, the Spectre 2019 has a, a 13-year-old Jalapa in the filler, uh, a five-year-age uh, uh, Jalapa wrapper, uh, and then, of course, the Cleveland Royale, which is the newest cigar out, has uh, um, you know an extensive amount of Nicaraguan tobacco as well. So. So it's just kind of expanding the, the, the audience a little bit, expanding the platform a little bit, but making sure the core elements that people come to know and love for the Red Dot Cohiba are a part of, of, of the experience as well. And, and that's kind of how I approach it. And with that being said, I mean, great teams. Uh, um, you know, the, the, the Cohiba Royale is the first uh, Cohiba that we've made in Honduras at the Hatsa factory. Uh, um, you know, and, and, and Augustine, uh, the lead guy down there, is an incredible uh, uh, tobacco savant. Um, you know, and then and and the DR. I mean, Jonas Diaz, Abel Cruz, you again. The guys down there are incredible. So uh, I get to work, you know, uh, at some terrific factories with some terrific people. Um, and then and, it, and it's all collaborative, you know. So you know, um, you know, I'll have a thought, I'll have an idea, and you know, okay, let's do this, and and you know, somebody will say, well, okay, let's try this, and and we all get together and we, and, you know, old school, man. We we, we test these blends, we, we pass them around. Rick and I share each other's test blends, which is a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, th there's a lot of metrics in place to sort of keep me honest. But again, I've just been given a lot of latitude to say, okay, hey, you know, just, just, just don't get crazy with it. But you know, let's uh, let's stretch it out a little bit, and it's been fun, man. So you you mentioned in that the uh, the Cohiba Spectre. Uh, I am fascinated with the cigar, and I remember me and Greg being very excited when we got one at the uh, at the trade show from you. But it's yeah. it's in that upper echelon of Cohiba of of actually this, you know boutique cigars and and premium cigars in general you know very high price point but very much worth it similar to you know some of those very high end Davidoffs or the Unicorn from Steve Saka so can you tell us a little bit about the process of you know whose idea was it for that um, you know did the blend come first and then the price point or you're like oh no I want to make a hundred dollar cigar like how did how did it all come together yeah so. Uh... We had an idea um, when I first came on board to do uh, something really high end, super exclusive. Uh, and it was just kind of an idea, but, you know, exactly what that would be, you know, we didn't know. I mean, from my standpoint, it couldn't be, you know, just smoking, smoking mirrors. I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a cigar guy, I'm a tobacco guy. So, 
Um, and that was just sort of in the back of the mind. It wasn't anything that was actually in motion uh, at, you know, at the time. But uh, my first trip down to the DR to go to the factories and visit a lot of the facilities, um, we're in uh, Lisa Dominican Republic, which is a place where we uh, used to store raw materials. Since then, they've since uh, um, closed that particular facility down. But um, I'm there with uh, uh, Don Kiko. He's our our you know top uh, agronomist and grower uh, for the company, and he's kind of walking me through their process because it's, it's 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 a wonderful thing. I mean, every company, every um, factory has sort of their different way, little tweaks as to how they process. Uh, 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 tobacco, even verbiage is sort of different from country to country. Like, you know, Velado is, is a term <clears throat> more often used for uh, uh, the medium priming for a leaf in the DR in uh, Nicaragua is Viso. So like these little nuances we're kind of talking about, I'm just walking around looking at the pilons and the different, uh, um, you, know, uh, you know, stuff that, that the workers there are doing. And I noticed this bale of tobacco. One bale is like sitting uh, on this a pallet by itself on the ground. <coughs> Excuse me. We got a we got beautiful weather, but that also means we have pollen. Um, yeah, we do. Yeah, but um, so I see this bale of tobacco, but it's not. A, it, it's it's wrapped in tercios, and I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. It's you know most bales of tobacco sort of in that the burlap sort of um, uh, potato sack, so to speak. Um, well, this was in uh, the uh, the palm bark, the the tercios, but it looked really you know uh, it was like this patina on it that that you know immediately looking at it i could tell that it had been there a while um so i asked about it and uh and i i, I sort of knew what the codes were to look on the side of the bell right. and look at the codes and figure out the date but this one i couldn't figure out what it was and so i asked don kiko i said you know okay and he looks and he's like oh it's a political bar i was like well okay i see that what year is it and he says 1995 dude i lost my shit i was like what <laughs> <laughs> So I was they're like, just sitting uh, there. Just sitting there with everything else. It's in the middle of like the of the. And it's not in the middle. It's kind of. It, it's not. You know, it wasn't like a you know orphan child or whatever. It's just kind of <laughs> there, man. So um, it's not so like what, some protected room or like some safe. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. It was just there. I mean, but but political bomb would do. That's something that we use like like McDonald's uses ketchup, so to speak. It's like you know, it's a part of a, a lot. Of, right. So it's not like a big thing. But somehow this bail had survived for this at this point for twenty three years, twenty two years. So uh, I meet. We get back to. Uh, we drive from Lisa back to the factory, which is I don't know, probably forty minutes or whatever. And I immediately walk in and uh, and, and sit down with you and Jonas. It's like well, I saw this bell. I want to use this bell of tobacco. And I'm like, well, what are we gonna do with one bell of tobacco? And I was like, that project that you know we were talking about doing. This is like yeah. oh, okay. So so it kind of started from that. And then uh, once we started the process, they started geeking out. Uh, you know, finding stuff that you know. Um, they had forgotten they had, like you know, these 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 uh, uh, two years of uh, La Entrada de Copel, which is a Honduran factory that we'd stopped growing uh, from 20, uh, 2009 and 2011. Uh, it was five years Sumatra. So, that, you know, we really just started just kind of throwing all kinds of stuff in, man, and, and coming up with these different um, iterations of this blend. And uh, it was just it was a, it was a, a great process. And, and we didn't have a price in mind at the time. Uh, but then once, you know, the packaging, I mean, you saw the packaging for it. I mean, yeah. the packaging costs what it costs. Uh, the materials cost what it costs. And, and, and the materials were, were quite scarce. Um, you know, and then we sort of stratified that based on what the company had put out before from price points. And, and, and that's how we landed on what it should cost. Um, 
you know, and with it, there, there was a little trepidation because the company had never put out a cigar that expensive. Uh, but one day into the show, the only regrets we had is that we couldn't make more because we were oversold by, you know, by a lot. Uh, so <laughs> it was uh, it was it was great, man. And then you know, so so that that starts the 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 wheels to spinning for okay, well, what are we going to do for 2019? Uh, you know, luckily we had some bleed over tobacco from uh, some of the components we used the year before. We didn't have any of the 1995 political bottles. So okay, so what's what's going to be the Jimmy Jam on this, and what's the secret sauce? What's the great stuff? Um, and that ended up being uh, 2006 Jalapa, which is just phenomenal. We still had some of the sherry barrel aged um, uh, Honduran tobacco, um, you know, so we could add some of the elements from before, uh, but this time threw in some Brazilian Matafina, and uh, man, just again had fun again. But you know, less and less uh, raw material, so we only were able to make 180 boxes. At least commercially available. We we made more, but we had to hold some back for special events and things of that nature. But a uh, year before, we had 400 boxes commercially available. Uh, last year, we only had 180 boxes commercially available. Um, and this year, we'll be, you know, on, I say this year, uh, we'll see how this goes. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be sort of the, the same thing. But that's, you know, I, I, I will not lie to you. Um, this year was a, a bit tougher. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because, you know, we have a lot of tobacco stored. But but the thing about it is, uh, so so General Cigar has three factories, as you guys are maybe well aware. Uh, but, you know, more raw materials facilities than, 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 you know, you have that at the factories. But then there's some of these off-site locations, too, where material is stored. Uh, and then we store some stuff uh, uh, um, sort of um, actually in camp, so to speak. Like, you know, we grow in the Connecticut River Valley, Connecticut. There's stuff up there. Um, you know, we, we, we grow with 30 micro farms in the Congo Republic of Africa. There's stuff. So there's stuff that, you know, it's not easily, you know, um, you know, uh, identified or pointed to that, that we have, but, it, but it takes a, takes a, almost a worldwide effort to locate it. Uh, but that's part of the fun, you know, and, and I can we, yeah, yeah. Having been a little boutique guy, I mean, I would never have, ac- have access to this stuff. So, so I'm going, I'm going to play with it. Have fun, man. Yeah. I mean, you seem really passionate about it, and now I'm even more excited to smoke it once, you know, there's at least an ounce of sunshine in this goddamn state. Uh, so what's what's funny to me is that, you know, this was not like, oh, General had been planning this for 20 years. Like, oh, we're going to put this one bale away. You literally just came upon it. Is that how a lot of, like, these super exclusive cigars, like, you know, come about? It's just like kind of you find something? Because I it seems I, like you need to have a lot of foresight to kind of put it away. No, listen, listen. I, I can't say with other companies, but certainly with me, it, 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 it's happened. And it's happened before with with with, with my brand. Um, mm. You know, uh, at, at, at Titan the Bronze, stumbling on something that uh, you know that that you know Willie had tinkered with years before, and Sandy still had in storage. And I'm like, whoa, what are you doing with this? Let's you know. So that happens from time to time. And yeah. listen, there's a number of reasons why you may not, you know. Tobacco doesn't doesn't always age at the same pace. Uh, maybe it doesn't work for the profile of the time. It, it could be any number of reasons why, you know, a certain lot of tobacco gets passed over or, or, or gets, you know, kind of shelved. Um, but every now and then you're lucky enough to find it, and uh, you know, and and, and and that that that's what happened in the instance with uh, with uh, Spectre, and uh, you know, uh, and now it's like you have people looking for it, you know. Right. But that's the fun part. So were you actually uh, also involved in the development of the box? Because I'm pretty sure uh, at least one year, I think I'm going to two years in a row at one half wheels 
Fox Award, if I'm not mistaken. I, 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 I can tell you absolutely. Uh, I had nothing to do with the design of the box. <laughs> uh, I had everything to do with the choosing of the design, though. So we have, a, a, have an agency uh, that we work with that for the last two years have designed different options for us as far as the box. And, uh, and, and I have a big say in, in, in what we green light, but I have nothing to do with the designs that they come up with. And God bless them, because I would never have thought of that. So. All right. Well, we're, we're simple men, Sean. We're just, we're just cigar guys. That's all we hey. can do. <laughs> I can't even dress properly, if you can tell. Right, right. Um, That's enough. <laughs> so, you know, we've talked about the super high-end area of Cohiba. Now I want to talk a little bit about the Cohiba, Connecticut, another big favorite of ours. Um, for some reason, me and Greg and, and Chris have been really getting into yeah, we've been really getting into Connecticut the past few years. There's been a, a number of really good Connecticut cigars past year or two, and the Cohiba is one of them. Kind of the I, I want to say this is the first Connecticut shade Cohiba that's been released. It is, yeah, yeah. So if you don't mind me at well, first, I would love, love to know about this the development of the brand, but also it seems that as a Dominican cigar, you know, in like that kind of classy, mellow to medium. That general, like that, that, that uh, Cohiba kind of had for all that reputation. It seems odd that a Connecticut wasn't used before. So, what made you guys decide to finally use it? And what was the entire process like creating this cigar? Well, so, you know, bear, bear in mind, one, one of our uh, family of brands in General Cigar is Macanudo, as I'm sure you're aware. Uh, and that's sort of a space that Macanudo has a pretty big footprint in as far as yeah. uh, uh, Connecticut shade milder smokes and that that's sort of a signature for macanudo that's changed uh, a good bit with uh inspirado which is you know um a more sort of innovative edgy take on the the, the, the franchise um but with cohiba um there's not it hadn't been any real mild cohibas i mean right. you have the upper end of uh mild medium or, or 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 hair below mild but then you go to the fuller stuff you know with uh with the black Nicaragua, certainly um, mm. uh, some of the, the predecessors, you know, the Diamante, the XV, Pure Dominicana, those weren't mild cigars, right? Um, so that wasn't really a part of 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 the of the overall, you know, uh, character of of Cohiba as a brand. Um, but we we wanted to play in that space, um, you know. And I like a good Connecticut shade cigar. One of the first cigars I ever made as a cigar maker was a Connecticut. Um, so. Uh, I thought it was something that made sense for us to, to 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 offer to the market, but in doing that, you know, it had to be a little bit different, um, which that was the fun part. Um, so in going into it, okay, well, how do we make this com complex? How do we give it a little bit more body? Um, but at the same time, you know, you want to you know keep the things that that Connecticut shade cigars are really known for, which you know you want that sort of creamy, buttery uh, bottom to it. Um, but we wanted to 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 give a you know a little bit more upfront weight to it as well. So um, you know, so we brought a bunch of countries together, man, more or less. It's, this cigar is like the League of Nations, dude. You know, you got a... Uh, League uh, of Nations. <laughs> League of Nations. I like that. I might steal that. <laughs> Go for uh, it. Thank you. It's yours. Yeah. You know, wrapper uh, grown in the Los Rios region of Ecuador. Binder is San Andreas. In the filler, you have Brazilian Matafina. You have some Lijero from the Jalapa Valley, Nicaragua. And you got a couple of Dominican tobacco. So we put a lot of stuff under the hood to... to, to Give us something that had some weight to it that 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 kind of fit overall with the Cohiba uh, 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 profile, but at the same time, um, you know, expanded a little bit into uh, the, the more milder range uh, of, of what Connecticut smokers would enjoy. Um, so that that was kind of the process, man. 
No, and I, I think you guys really hit it out of the park with that one. Like I said, it's, it's one of our favorite Connecticut that we smoke regularly uh, up in our office. You. Um, you also previously mentioned um, the newest Cohiba that, this, that was just announced. I think we're in the process of getting it uh, in good, our good, warehouse good, good, in, the, in, yeah, yeah. in the next few weeks, the uh, Cohiba Royale. Yep, Can you tell us yep. a little bit about that? So uh, conversely, um, in putting that cigar out, we wanted to stay uh, uh, in the space where Cohiba was and even uh, punch it up a little bit more. I wanted uh, an ultra-premium cigar, but not your typical ultra-premium cigar. You know, once you get in, in, into that, you know, mid-$20 to $30 range, a lot of those cigars are going to be, you know, they're going to top out at medium um, just because, you know, rightfully so, you don't want to alienate any part of the audience. You want it to be very approachable by a wide range of people. Um, well, I, I want to sort of be counterintuitive and say, well, let's let's make this full-body cigar. I mean, because... You know, I, I think overall the the, the, the cigar consumer uh, uh, as a base has matured over the last few years. Um, certainly a lot more informed, um, you know, more proactive in, in seeking out challenging blends and so forth. So I wanted something that, that was going to be in the ultra premium space, uh, but that was full body, um, you, know, um, you know, heavier uh you know, Central American focused blend. Uh, so, you know, that's why I wanted to do this cigar. Uh, and I, I, I love, you know, my guys in the DR. That's our home factory. It's my home factory uh, as far as Cohiba. Um, but again, General Cigar was a couple of other factories. And, and I wanted to kind of get outside of the factory because, again, it doesn't matter. Same company. But once you go to a different factory, there's different processing, processing to the tobacco. There's different little elements that come into play. That you can take a Connecticut broadleaf that that that's that's aged and fermented in the DR, and it's going to be totally different than what's aged and fermented in Honduras versus Nicaragua, vice versa. So, uh, I wanted to do this cigar at Hatsa, um, the largest cigar factory in the world, and uh, you know we've you know over the years have put out some terrific uh, legacy brands there, you know Hoya uh, uh, de Monterey and uh, Punch and a number of others. Uh, so I want to kind of you know go in a different a different place with it and uh, Hatsa provided that and um, you know very very um, forward leaning spicy full body blend I mean it's 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 meaty it's espresso uh, um, you know it's semi-sweet chocolate uh, a lot of spice you know beautiful jalapa wrapper we also did a, a little thing different uh, as far as the binder political bondo is typically a filler we use across all the Cohibas we use the political bondo as a binder um, because oh, wow. you got pretty Pretty heavy tobaccos on the outside and the inside because you got more halap on the inside. You got esteli, you got uh, uh, Honduran tobacco, uh, so you got you know heavy heavy filler. It's a meaty cigar, so the Paloto Cabana kind of lightens out the blend, lightens up a little uh, the blend a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. and just sort of changes how uh, the, the tobacco interacts. So it's a great smoking experience, man. Only three sizes. The Grand Royale is a uh, is, is is a short. It's four and a half by fifty two, uh, so oh, it's a stout. Nice. Yeah, stout, um, you know, uh, get right to it, full body smoke. Then you got the nice Robusto Royale, five and a half by 50. And then you got the classic uh, Toro Royale, which is a six, uh, six by 52. So 10 count box is really easy to approach. Uh, but great cigar, uh, great blend, full body, uh, but good balance, man. Really excited about the cigar. And the response so far has been, has been really, really good. Yeah, as I'm sure it would be, and, and that's the big thing. So sometimes I find it it's it's harder to make 
a full-bodied cigar because you, you need to have that balance and you need to have the strength and the intense flavor, but it can't be just super spicy or super sweet or rich. It has to have that balance in it. And uh, I'm definitely excited to try one of those. Um, yeah. You've mentioned a few times the, uh, the three main factories that you guys uh, have. Now, I'm aware of the one in Honduras and the one in, in the, the main one in the DR. Can you tell everyone a little bit about like the three facility, the three major facilities General uses, and what are some of the brands that are made there? Um, well, obviously, uh, Dominican Republic, which is which is the primary home for Cohiba, uh, Macanudo. Um, you have uh, Hatsa in Honduras, uh, primary home for for uh, Hoy de Monterey and Punch. Uh, and then you have the factory in Nicaragua, which is the primary home for CAO. Uh, also make we make the uh, Silencio, the Cohiba Silencio, which is my, my personal signature cigar, is made there, and the Nicaragua was uh, was created there as well. The Silencio, I remember that got a pretty high rating when that came out. That must have felt really good for your for your first cigar under the Cohiba banner. That must have felt like a big relief that it got a, a lot of good reviews. I got a lot of good responses. I don't remember any ratings behind it though. Somebody somebody rated it. Uh, yeah, I believe Hatfield gave it an eighty-eight or an eighty-nine. I guess that's high for half wheel, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty high. That, that's that's like Listen, the, hey, this is really good. But last year, Spectre got a ninety-three and half wheel. I, I, I damn near took like a, a celebratory uh, dinner or something. I, I, like <laughs> that's that never happens, man. That never happens. Yeah, uh, I deserve a couple of steaks for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, Silencio is not a cigar that we ever sell. It's not commercially available, so it's great that somebody rated it or that they rated it, but that doesn't. You know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, it, it, Overall, the response on it is, 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 has been really, uh, really positive. It's been out there for a few years now. Usually if I do, which you guys obviously uh, yeah. have, have uh, had a chance to try it. I mean, I've done events uh, with you guys. So you do events, I usually have the cigar or, or you know, somebody ha typically has had to come in contact with me in some way, shape or form to have that cigar. Right. I think that's a really cool concept, though, for a company as big as General, but they had this like kind of almost backdoor secret blend that like, oh, you kind of got to know a guy to get this one. You know, it's. You don't usually find that with these bigger, you know, Altidus or General or like Oliva kind of companies. So it's, I think it's a really cool concept. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 uh, yeah, I, I like it. And like I said, it's one of those <laughs> things where I was surprised at, you know, the kind of things that they were willing to do, man, you know, as a company. So, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So can't we're, uh, I'm sure you can't. So we're seeing a lot of uh, collaborations nowadays, you know, obviously, you know, uh, guys like Steve Saka and Nick Melillo are collaborating with a lot of different factories, um, but you're seeing even bigger ones. Uh, the past few years, AJ Fernandez has done a lot of work, both with our sister company, Alphabet USA, and with you guys, with the Hoya de Monterey and, and, and the Punch. Um, I was wondering if there's any kind of collaboration in the future for Cohiba, something you, you, you guys have thought about, somebody you might want to work with to kind of do a, do a co-op uh, project? Uh it's not something I'm real keen on, and, and we've kind of kicked it around internally, and, and, and as a company, we're not real keen on it. I mean, Cohiba's Cohiba, man. I mean, honestly, um, you know, and we have great, great, uh, you know, cigar guys internally. Um, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't see the, the big benefit to that, uh, but, you know, you never say never, but it's something that we've kicked around uh, uh, loosely, but it's nothing that you know, anybody internally is really excited about and and uh, and uh, nothing I'm, you know, itching to do, to be honest. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I have really good friends in this business and I've had some great collaborative uh, uh, projects previously. But, yeah, I mean, not not something that that again, that that as of now that I see a real need to do, um, you know, because if you think about Cohiba as a brand, our footprint isn't very, very 
big. I mean, you, you could probably think of a number of cigars uh, collectively that you know that, that have carried the red dot flag over the years. But if you think about what's commercially available at one time, you're talking about blue, Nicaragua, red dot, black, Connecticut, Macazon Royale. So you're talking about four lines. I mean, sorry, eight lines, seven lines, which is not a lot for uh, for a brand that has this type of uh, you know. Um, you know, status in the marketplace. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of bandwidth to, to, to you know, shove a, a whole lot more into what we currently do. Um, and we, you know, we're almost two years out as far as what we have teed up as far as projects and really, really, really strategic and, 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 uh, and thoughtful about how we release those out, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I don't have any inclination on that right now, but yeah, that could change. Yeah. Uh, you well, you, now you, you messed up a little bit as you told me you guys have projects going out for two years. So now I got to ask you about. You mentioned a little bit of the specter that you were working on, but like what else? What else you guys got going on? Ah uh, man, uh, so I can't say a whole lot. Um, yeah, of course. But uh, because it's not like any one thing has been totally green lighted. So. But just put it this way: I'm, I'm, I, I, I am currently working on, uh, um, you know, blend and our project, of course, in our Dominican factory, uh, and two currently in um, in Hatsa. So, which is, which is where we just came out with uh, with, with with Royale. So, um, so, but it, it, it's sort of like okay. Once the, 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 the product is aged out and finished, then you got to think about, okay, where does it fit into the portfolio? How might our portfolio change in the future? Uh, will we have any gaps? Uh, also, where does this fit as far as the price point? Uh, and also, does it expand the audience any? Um, so I don't typically go into a project that way. I mean, you know, I go, I go into something because I want to smoke it. I want to enjoy it. And then figure out, okay, well, how does it fit? With a brand like this, we have to be more thoughtful about that. Uh, we don't want to cannibalize anything in our current portfolio, obviously. Um, you know, we, we just want to make, uh, make it make sense for the overall family of products. So there, there are three specific blends slash projects, if you want to call them, that I'm working on now that, uh, that I'm excited about. But, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be uh, the end of this year before uh, I know whether or not, you know, right. one is going to be ahead of the other or vice versa especially now looking at you know we sort of in, in the holding pattern you know yeah yeah we definitely have but i'm sure we're all going to be really excited about uh whatever you get whatever tricks you got up your sleeve there um so it's kind of like a cool family dynamic between uh you ricky and uh laurel from macanudo you see yeah. the, you guys at, at advance at the trade show together and everything um can you pick out one cigar from macanudo and one cigar from CEO that's your personal favorite uh Right now, um, that would be the V19 for uh, for CAO. Mm. Love that cigar. Love that cigar. And 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 the 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 the, the trilogies, the Amazon trilogies, love those cigars as well. But as far as if if, if you know, I have the company send me cigars to the house. Uh, I will uh, have a box of V19 sit from time to time. Uh, and as far as uh, with uh, Macanudo, the Inspirado Red, specifically. Uh, the, the the robusto the box press, man, that's a stout, spicy flavor bomb, man. I like that cigar a lot. 
I like. No, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the uh, of the red as well. And, and honestly, everything that Ricky's been doing with CEO the past couple of years has really been oh, really yeah, yeah. spot on. I've become a huge fan of his, and he's such a Absolutely. nice guy too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. A few more before we bring on Greg with some fan questions. These are now personal, you know, more personal questions I have. I noticed Cohiba really isn't big into the kind of current cigar nerd trend of, you know, smaller, thinner ring gauges, Lanceros, you know, a, a lot of the time. Um, is that something that you would try to do in the future? Maybe throw out a, Lance, you know, a special edition Lancero? Yeah, you know, I, as, as a cigar line? maker, I love Lanceros. And, and, uh, and for years, uh, I would tinker with Lancero blends, but I never actually brought one out myself. Um, so there's, there's a couple of things coming to play, right? Um, how big is the market for it? And if the market is not really big for it, then uh, how do we really, really make it special? You know, there's not a really big market perspective necessarily, but it's such a, uh, a unicorn of, the project, of a project. It makes sense to kind of do it. Uh, right. We can make investment in, in over-the-top packaging and make it a really good experience. So come out with a Lancero for uh, a pretty narrow market, and unfortunately, it is a narrow market. You and I are cigar nerds, so yeah, we like it. But um, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it, it's for 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 a brand this big and a company this size to to invest uh, something that that small. Uh, you know, we've kind of talked about it. Uh, and then I think, okay, well, what blend would um, would perform best in a Lancero? Um, so it's something that that we've talked about, but. We, we haven't gotten there as far as uh, as far as rolling the dice on it. Um, now, as far as just sort of following the trends and this and that, um, I don't know that that's something that that I, I've never done that. Like I never put right. out a seventy gauge, never put out a nub, so I certainly don't take that sort of mindset to uh, to Cohiba. Um, but yeah, I mean, there 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 is you know an interest for me personally as a cigar guy to to mm. to, to go to a Lancero or something smaller. So I I could dig it, but. We just haven't done it yet, you know? Yeah, I, I think the difficulty lies, and this is actually something Steve Saka said uh, a few weeks ago when I talked to him. Um, he, you know, reluctantly came out with a Lancero in one of his blends. The uh, It was called the Now Leave Me the Hell Alone. Uh, but he was only able to do that because uh, for that uh, portfolio of brands, each one of them has a different blend. So he was able to blend something specifically that would work in a Lancero size. Yeah, yeah. When you're a company like Cohiba, you can't. It would kind of have to be an existing blend, and then what if it of that doesn't happen to work in a Lancero? So I, I see the, uh, the the trials that would come with that. So yeah, it's tricky, man. It's tricky. But listen, the Spectre Lancero, you know, three or four of them got made and found their way to my house. You know, it's like a test blend. I wouldn't say no to it. Do um, know it, my man. Do know <laughs> So working on your own brand, and then now with Cohiba, I'm sure you've worked with a variety of tobaccos for, you know, different fillers from Nicaragua, Honduras, you know, uh, all over the world. What is your favorite overall wrapper to work with? And what is one tobacco you haven't had the chance to work with yet and you would love to? Huh. My favorite overall wrapper, pound for pound, man, that's hard. Um, mm -hmm. Man, that's hard. Um, that's a tough question too, Chad. Yeah, that 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 that's. Uh, I would say um, I, I would have to go with two. I'm sorry, man. Um, it's fine. Uh, I love the Jalapa wrapper, um, which is not something that's widely used. Luckily, you know, we have access and grow a good bit of it. But I love the Jalapa Nicaragua wrapper, uh, and I love the Cameroon too. Uh, Cameroon is a temperamental bitch, though, man. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah, I heard. but. But it's a very distinct profile. Like, like I could certain things I could, I could, I could 
if you give me a cigar that has a certain wrapper on it, and you say, hey, make me a cigar, put together a cigar that tastes like this. With a lot of wrappers, you can find another variety and do enough under the hood to kind of make it close. You can't fake the funk with the Cameroon. Like, right. it is what it's it is. You know, it's and Jalapa Nicaragua is sort of the same way. Um, you know, I remember when I first, you know, got into the business, the big rapper, uh, rapper, sounds like you're talking about like hip hop, but the big, the big <laughs> rapper back in the mid 2000s was uh, Havano 2000. That was like the thing, yeah. you know. Um, it was like the workhorse of the industry. Uh, and a few years later, that was eventually uh, replaced by the Ecuador Havano, right? Uh, which I love that as a workhorse of a rapper, um, you know. You know, included with the with the kinetic shade, but um, if you talk about you know rappers that if you say hey you, you you can pick two rappers and really you know do something special with and and uh, and something distinctive, it would have to be uh, Cameroon and Jalapa for me. That's awesome. Uh, Cameroon is, has always been interesting to me. It's it's for some reason with me, it's a hitter. There's no cigars of Cameroon that I like. There's cigars of Cameroon that I really don't care for, and there's ones that I absolutely love. Uh, it's it's really out of the out of the two because I feel like it's really how you utilize them. Um, my last question for me is, you know, Cameroon. Not a lot of people know a lot about the tobacco industry in there. They just kind of see, you know, Cameroon wrapper. Um, have you had the chance to either meet anyone from that area or, or go visit the, the tobacco fields uh, over there, or, or has anyone from your company really done that? So so so. Uh, oh yeah, we have people from my company. Uh, um, uh, we have a. Uh, an unsung hero by the name of uh, Ernest Gojak that, uh, you know, this old uh, European guy actually lives near our farms in Connecticut and he's our international tobacco guy. So he's been to every nook and cranny godforsaken place on the planet <laughs> in search for tobacco. And, uh, and when I uh, mentioned to Ernie, when I first came on board that I'd like to go to uh, the Congo Republic of Africa and, and visit the Cameroon fields, his exact words were, you're crazy. Hell no. <laughs> so yeah so and he doesn't at this point uh go very much and when he does it, it's an undertaking like listen man it, you know and i don't know how old you are how long you've been spoken but again going back 15 years ago cameroon rapper was uh was a hot rapper it was one of those things that you know it was really you know sought after but the the the, the political and social climate got so um dangerous over there that it just got to the point where it's like you know what it, it, you could not really get rapper out of there we were the company that really uh put the resources in to to to, to make things uh as you know stable as possible to actually still grow and, and, and get rapper out of there uh with that being said uh yeah they they, they that that's a no-go they would not let me go over there um <laughs> I, now, think with, I think that'd be, with, think that'd be know, a really cool trip yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. With with, with, with how fast uh, Ernest uh, rebuffed the idea, I thought, well, shit, maybe I really don't want to go over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, but I, 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 one of those things you like to like to go. I mean, at, at some point, I mean, you know, I, I want to check that off the bucket list. But but that's probably as far as, uh, uh, and I've never had a chance to go to Ecuador either. Um, which you know, obviously that that you know that that region is a lot more stable, but. Uh, I've used tobacco from there for you know ten years now. Uh, yeah, at least ten years now, and I've never had a chance to go there. But you know, all throughout Honduras, Dominican Republic, and, and Nicaragua, I've, yeah, I've, I've gone all throughout those travel, countries. Yeah, travel all around. That's awesome. Uh, Honduras is actually looks like the. I would love to go there. Greg actually had the pleasure of going there to, to visit uh, one of the Altadas factories. He said it was beautiful. So Honduras is going to be uh, my know, next let's, stop. Let's, at some let's, point. let's 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 talk offline, man. 
Like seriously. Absolutely. Oh, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. Seriously. Seriously. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely we'll do that. Yeah. So now it's time to bring on uh, uh, my cohort, Greg, who Greg. I guarantee is about to bring up the cigar that he had made in Honduras and how he thinks it's the best thing ever. I know he was going to talk about it. So. I'm sure. I'm well, sure. Well, now that you mentioned it yourself, Nick, I'm definitely going to bring up the cigar <laughs> that I, I blended in Honduras myself. Uh, it was a it was a cool experience because I mean I pretty much anything with the word chocolate that showed up in the uh, description of the of the uh, tobacco I put in that cigar that was my that was oh, my it's, mindset. It's, it's, it's How was it? Cigar. Huh? All right. Yeah, man. so it was a uh, Mexican San Andreas wrapper, uh, a Honduran okay. uh, Criollo uh, binder, two. Okay. Um, Nicaragua. Did you say Honduran Criollo or Corojo? Criollo. I, I, Criollo well, yeah. the two the two L's, Greg? Double L's. L squared. Yeah. And then... Criollo, which, which, which literally means Creole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. No, no. Sounds good to me. Yeah. And, and then uh, they allowed us four different tobacco leaves in the filler. So I did two Nicaraguan, one Connecticut broadleaf, and one Dominican. Okay. And, and Nick, okay. how was it? I wanted to hate it so much. I wanted to be uh, garbage, and you can't do this. <laughs> but it was actually, it was actually really good. Uh, it was actually really yeah, good, and it definitely yeah, needed yeah, some tweaking yeah. on it. Like a lot, you know, not. Yeah, it, it had all the flavors I liked, but it was just kind of like it was those flavors from start to finish. There wasn't a lot of, you know, Greg knows his tobacco pretty well. Uh, it was just a matter of like you need like a master blender like you to like be able to tweak it to make it perfect. But from what Greg was able to do, it's a really really good cigar. Yeah, good, so good, that was good. probably my most proudest moment of my cigar industry uh, life, I guess I could say. Uh, so I want to ask you, what is your most proudest moment in the cigar yeah. industry? Shit, this what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's easy. <man. laughs> <laughs> no, I mean seriously, man. So, um, you know, you know, having cut my teeth in, in the business for at that time 10, 11 years, um, you know, I had some 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 really really cool projects. I mean, you know, the stuff that Willie Herrera and I did early on at Titan the Bronze. Before that, making cigars at the Placentia factory, uh, doing the first industry trilaboration between myself. Uh, uh, Eddie Ortega and Eric Espinosa. Um, I had some fun projects, man, and and um, you know learned a lot, cut my teeth. But when when you know the, this company comes along and says and says, hey, you know, a brand as iconic uh, and 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 that has as much weight as Cohiba, uh, they approach you and say, hey, you know, we want to trust you with with you know moving this brand forward, hopefully growing it. Um, and then give you the space and the resources to do it. Um, you know, you know. Listen, this is a t this is this is not an easy business for a small brand. I don't know if you guys know that or not. And uh, and I certainly had my share of uh, of lean tough times uh, on my own. Uh, but I felt proud that man, I must have did something right, right? To 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 show up on their radar and for them to say, okay, here you go, man. Here are the keys. You know. So yeah. So so this was. Far and above, uh, the proudest a moment I had in the industry, and it's been the proudest moment for for now almost the last three years. So uh, my big my big thing every day is uh, waking up, trying not to screw it up. You know right. I mean? Awesome. Yeah. Well said. 
So how how did the uh, the Atlanta Cigar Society come about? Well, it was um, so I smoked my first cigar on a, uh, a cruise. Uh, it was myself and three of my friends from uh, from high school. We met at night grade. Uh, so now I'm mid thirties, and you know we're all getting back together after a few years. And all took the the wives and girlfriends on on a cruise and had my first cigar. Uh, and when I got back off the cruise, I didn't have any friends here in Atlanta. Uh, at least that I know of, that I knew of that smoked cigars. I was in real estate then, had a mortgage company. Uh, you know, I built a couple of spec homes throughout the year. So I had business contacts, but I wasn't in the cigar community. You didn't really know anybody. Um, found one shop right near me, Cigar Villa, which is, you know, uh, still a, a solid retailer, been here forever. Uh, but found them by just, you know, uh, an inter- internet search. Uh, and I would do, you know, a lot of my work uh, at home, smoking cigars by myself and, I find an occasional place that was cigar friendly. I didn't even know how big and active the cigar community in Atlanta was. So I was like, you know what? I want to get around more cigar smokers. And and, uh, and I was always looking for a way to connect business-wise. So I had a business contact of mine who was kind of loosely into cigars by, you know, through me. I was like, hey, man, let's uh, let's start a cigar group. And it'll be sort of like a business networking thing around cigars. And, uh, and that's how it started. So we started the Atlanta Cigar Society. And I would do, you know, poker night. Uh, over at Eastside Lounge in the Village, or wine tasting down at Cosmos and and uh, East Point, and and little events like that. And over time, it just co- kind of grew. But it really just grew out of a necessity for me to get around other cigar smokers and, and and also do some networking. So that's how it started. Nice, that's awesome. Where was the cruise going to? Where was the cruise going to? Oh, like every other cruise, the Bahamas nice. or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, where did where did it go? We went, I certainly went to the Bahamas. I think there was another stop, um, but that was that may have been the first cruise I'd ever been on. I've been on a few since then, but boy, I tell you, I don't know if I'm getting on another. Nah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ah. probably probably not a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in a rowboat, <laughs> right, right. Uh, getting into I guess uh, the cigars and beverages. What what is your favorite one right now? Type of beverage are specifically... Let's do type of beverage right now and then your favorite cigar and beverage pairing. Okay, Okay. well, I'm a bourbon guy. Um, I mean, I'll I'll dabble in in some rum um, and scotch, but I am primarily a bourbon guy. Um, Except there's a caveat. Uh, If I'm smoking a Macazar, I typically like that with grapes. Uh, I like it with a bold Cabernet, uh, um, you know, maybe a red Zen or maybe even, uh, um, a Ruby port. Uh, so that one, if I'm smoking Macazar, I don't typically have bourbon with that. Excuse me, but any other cigar I have, uh, if I'm pairing something with it, it's typically going to be bourbon. And as far as like a specific pairing between what cigar and what specific bourbon, I probably rotate my cigars more than I rotate my bourbons. Like I'll go on a stretch. I mean, there was like, you know, a, a, a couple months almost where, you know, my primary bourbon I was drinking was E.H. Taylor. I even carried it in my flask. Uh, now for the last few weeks, I've been on a uh, blade and bow. Um, you know, I, I always work into the rotation. Uh, the, the, the basil Hayden dark rye. I love that. Elijah Craig is a standby. Uh, that basil Hayden dark rye. I, I want a bottle of that at a work event over the holiday. And that thing was, I didn't realize how sweet it was going to be. I'm usually not it's, a rye guy, it's but maple-y, I love yeah. people hate. It's maple yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it had, it had a wonderful sweetness to it. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so uh, so as far as a specific, like, 
this cigar with this bourbon, that's kind of tough to do. Um, 80% of, of the bourbon that I've been drinking for the last couple of weeks has been blade and bowl. Nice. Nice. Going to, um, now you're, you're, you're from Atlanta, right? No, I'm from New Orleans. Well, so did you live in Atlanta? What was that? Yeah. Yeah. I live, yeah. I live in Atlanta. Oh, right. But I'm from New Orleans. Yeah. But I've, I've been here now, uh, I got it confused. I got the two confused. I, I thought you grew up in New Orleans and then, you know, no, you grew up in New Orleans. You moved to Atlanta. I thought you lived, grew up in Atlanta and then moved to New Orleans. I got my thing switched. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I grew up in New Orleans, born and raised, and, and, uh, and now I live in Atlanta. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what's the best place to eat in New Orleans then? Oh, God. Oh, again, man. I know. Is, man, is, is, what is this? What, what do you want? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna walk in because I want to need to charge it. Uh, it depends on what you want. Like if you're thinking, um, if you want barbecue shrimp, that's gonna be Pascal Manali's or Mr. B's. Um, if you want um, char grilled oysters, that's gonna be um, Dragos or maybe Acme. Um, man, it just depends. If you want, uh, you know, a, a beautiful redfish or something like that, that's going to be um, Palace Cafe or or Commander's Palace. Uh, so it just depends. Okay. It just, it just depends on what you want. Cool. Um, being that sports is not going on, I'd love to talk about it anyway. Uh, Absolutely. what's your thoughts on now? Are you a Pelicans fan? Yes. What? Yes, I am. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Pelicans fan and I'm unabashedly a LeBron fan. Okay. So, so what, what is your thoughts on the team and, and Zion? Yeah, I like Zion a lot, man. Um, you know, so I, I, my concern, uh, is how he develops and, uh, you know, how his game expands. You know, I think about guys who play with sort of that reckless abandon, that physicality, uh, a la Derrick Rose, a la Blake Griffin. Uh, he never really developed an all-around more finesse game, and he paid for it, uh, versus Blake Griffin, which he did. So his career is 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 uh is been extended. So I'm hoping that that Zion really develops a more all-around game, and um, you know, and sort of. Figures out when's the best time to sort of flex his muscles, and uh, uh, but also just like just approach it with a little bit more balance. Right. But I think they they got a great nucleus. Um, really exciting to watch. I hate that the season obviously didn't continue because I was interested in seeing them get maybe the eighth seed and, and see what they do in the postseason, see how they respond. You know, right? So we'll see. Uh, let's see. If you had to pick another profession, what would it be and why? I don't know if, if I was any good at it. Music, maybe. I don't know because you, you still get to create. Um, um, you know, you still get to interact with 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 someone that's consuming something that you create, and um, you know, and it's something that 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 would be a passion. So you know, ideally, you like to you know make money with uh, with your passions if you could, right. right? Ideally. What what instrument? I played. Well, I played uh, bass guitar, nice. um, which 
which which which sounds pretty cool. Um, but as a, uh, as a as a kid in high school and in middle school, I played the tuba. Okay. So I uh, I I worked all summer. Uh, I think cleaning up a school for the summer, and I spent my money on a bass guitar and an amp. Or my parents paid for it, and then I had to pay them back. Something to the point that I barely played because I had to go back to I had to work for it. And then the only song I learned how to play was "From Whom the Bells Toll" by Metallica. That was it. Mm. It was the only song I knew how to play. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty bad. I, song, I know. So. By the way, the, the tuba is such like a New Orleans instrument. Like I could see that in like one of those, those so funeral listen, processions. When you show up at Live Oak Middle on the Irish Channel and you want to march in the parades and you look around, yeah. and you got you got you know the you know everybody's playing a trumpet, everybody's playing a trombone, everybody's playing, you know, and you figure out you know how many how many uh, instruments that are to go around. There's only one other you know slug playing the tuba. You think, all right, well I could pick up a tuba, yeah. and uh, yeah. it actually was 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 pretty good at it, and uh, you know would have played through through high school, which I actually played through high school, you know, as far as in band, but uh, I played, you know, once sports became prevalent, you, you don't really uh, march, uh, participate in halftime shows and stuff like that during... Uh, sports and during, girls, once girls become prevalent. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> Life, changes. Life changes, man. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's it for me. All right, Greg, that's all our yep. fan questions? Oh, that was easy, right. man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If easy fans, listen, they're my fans, so they're pretty easy to please. Uh, awesome. Sean, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Um, guys, everyone out there, make sure you check in the bottom. Which corner, Greg, is the deal? It's the bottom right. My right, you're right. My right, you're right. It's the viewer's right. My right. Viewers, right? So, all right, somewhere down here, uh, you're going to see a little image for an amazing deal we have going on today uh, with Jenna and with Cohiba. So, make sure you take advantage of that. We are still shipping out uh, our cigars and we are fully stocked on Cohibas right now. So, make sure you get them from us. Um, and Sean, just want to thank you again. Thank you, guys.